over the last uh, little while, uh, the pastoral staff have been going through 1 John. And so my assignment this morning is to go through 2 John. So we're just going to, we're going to continue on uh, in that series. So I'm going to read to you, it uh, should be up there, um, uh, the first four verses. And so as I was looking at this passage, I thought, what stands out? And so uh, when I, uh, when you, if you look at it in your Bible, the words in red do not stand out in red, but I happen to put them in red in that picture. But let me read it to you. It says, uh, to the lady chosen by God and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but all who know the truth, because, the, because of the truth, which lives, in, uh, which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It is a great joy. It has given me great joy to, come, to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, uh, and it continues on. So a couple of things that stood out to me. One of them was, was who is this lady? And so if you... Um, in all likelihood, uh, John was writing to the church. And so he wasn't writing to a lady in the church, but actually he was writing to the church. And again, he put it in the feminine. So you have the Queen Mary, which is a boat. And so in this case, it was, it was that. But secondly, as you look through that, there is a, a couple of words that came up about five times in the first four verses. And those words are truth. Actually, there's another word up there that's love. Let me ask you a question. You can respond to me this morning. Somebody in the Bible said that I am the truth. Who was that? Jesus. There you go. Yeah, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you look at this, go to the next slide. Uh, I've put in uh, Jesus instead of the truth. It says, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in Jesus, and not only I, but also all who know Jesus because of Jesus, who lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, peace from God the Father, from, uh, from Christ Jesus, the Father's Son. And it goes on. So it makes sense. So let me give you the context or the background to Second uh, John. Okay, So John is writing to the church. Now, the church back then was not a building like this. Okay, The church was people. And so what happened in the early church was that people would meet in people's homes. And so there would be, uh, we'll call them itinerant people, or pastors, people like Spencer, maybe people like uh, Brad. could be just lay people. people uh, and they would go from town to town, and they would just go to meet in people's homes. Okay? And they would teach the things about Jesus. But what happened was, and this is what this story comes in, so John says there's a problem. Uh, he said, the people that are coming to teach you are teaching something that's wrong. And so this letter, so rather than an email pl uh, blast from Pastor Bruce, it was, a, I'm assuming, a handwritten letter that went out, called, it's now called Second John, and said, here's the problem. In fact, we're going to look at the next couple of verses. And so as I'm reading this through, uh, why don't you figure out what the problem is? It says, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge, and by the way, he's writing about the people that were going to visit these churches. It says, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ, Jesus, or Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, 
Do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. Okay, so go to the next slide. And uh, I've, I've picked out what the problem was. Okay, so what the deal was is some of the people that were going to these churches, these little home groups in people's homes, said, you know what? Jesus didn't come in the flesh. He never lived. He never died. And uh, John says, that's wrong. And so he says, don't even let those people into your home. Now, I'm going to do a survey this morning. Got the survey on the next slide. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you, okay? I'm not going to have you put up your hands. I'd love to have a little, you could do a little app on your iPhone, you could actually respond. But uh, here's my question for you. So I, I, but I want you to come up with a number, okay? So the question is, how sure am I that Jesus came in the flesh? Okay, that Jesus actually lived, died, and rose from the dead. Okay, so give yourself a number. So number 10 means 100% sure, 8, you know, pretty sure, 1, I have no idea. Okay, you got a number in your mind? Again, I'd love to have you respond to that, but I'm not going to embarrass you to do that. I believe that most people here this morning would put down an 8 to a 10. Okay? So if, you, if, if, I said, if you said 8 to 10, then you're, I believe you're part of the majority this morning. Now, if you're less than that, I'm not going to be speaking about that this morning. I've got another sermon that I was t- speaking on. But if you're saying, man, I don't know about this Jesus. I don't know that he really came in the flesh. I don't know that he lived. I don't know that he died. What is that all about? Well, this fall time uh, at our church and across the city, there's something that's running that's called Alpha. And so if you're one of those that's kind of less than eight, you know, check out with the church office, check our bulletin, actually go onto the website, which I did this morning, and there's some information on Alpha. But I'm not going to talk about that this morning. Here's what I think. No, let me go on. If, if John was writing this letter today, here's what I think he would write about. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Okay, uh, I think the, the question he would ask is, how real is Jesus in my life right now? So think about that for a second. So... Ten meeting, you know what? He is, he is real, he's alive, he's active, I, I sense his presence, I'm intimate with him, all is good. Okay, that's a ten. One means, yeah, I know I'm a Christian, I come to church, but I sit on my hands. Uh, he's a long ways away. Maybe he used to be closer when I was younger, but he's a long ways away. What would you give yourself for a number? Don't put up your hands again. Well, my guess is, is that most of us here would be somewhere between one and eight. That God is not as real in our lives as what we would like him to be. And that is what I'm going to preach about this morning. So, okay, so I'm taking some liberty with this text. Instead of talking about did Jesus come, we're going to say, you know what, how do we make God real in our lives? Uh, back in 2000, we started up a ministry uh, underneath the umbrella of power to change our campus crusade for Christ called Leader Impact. Uh, today, uh, that uh, is, uh, we are part of the global part of that, and I believe by 2020 we'll be in about a thousand uh, cities around the world. But kind of ab- about 10 years ago, 2006, uh, we were wanting to launch out and start Leader Impact in Winnipeg. And so, uh, what we did was, I, uh, I thought, you know what, the first step that I'm going to do is I'm going to go there, find all the business leaders that I can. And by the way, what Leader Impact does is this. We uh, help leaders 
uh, in terms of leadership, character, but the most important thing is how does your relationship with Christ make a difference? How does it help you handle the stuff that life, business, family throws at you? How do you make Jesus real in your life as a leader, whether you're a business leader, a professional leader, whatever you happen to be? So anyways, we went off to Winnipeg. Um, I uh, met probably with about 20 people over the course of one week, and the ask that I gave them, I said, step number one is why did you come with us to El Salvador, which is got some, uh, we've got somebody from El Salvador here this morning, uh, to El Salvador, there we go, and uh, to help start Leader Impact there. And so I said, here's, here's the deal. It's going to cost you probably about $10,000, just what it costs to go down there, and it's going to cost you a week of your time. So anyway, Judy and I approached probably about 20 people. We sold them on the vision of reaching leaders in El Salvador, working alongside the leaders that are there, and uh, at the end of three or four, and, I, and I'm decently convincing, at the end of three or four days, only one couple said yes. Okay, it was Lauren and Ingrid. So anyway, fast forward about four months later, and uh, I was down, and, and I meet them at the airport in El Salvador. And so Lauren, by the way, uh, his company, or one of his many companies, but his main company is that they're the largest cell phone providers in, uh, in uh, Manitoba. So as I met him at the airport in El Salvador, I said, so Lauren, I met you for dinner. You gave $10,000 and a week of your life to come down here. Why did you say yes? And here's what he said. He said, Nathan, the reason I said yes is because business is exciting, but my faith is boring. I said, oh, can I ask you some more questions about that? He said, sure. So I said, Lauren... When is the last time in your business that you take a million-dollar risk? He said, oh, that's easy. He said, between my office on the airport and the way down. He says, he says I'm a deal junkie. He said, I closed, I closed the deal on a business. Yeah, I don't know how many millions of dollars that was worth. He said, okay, now spiritually, Lauren, when is the last time you took a million-dollar risk? He thought for a moment, and he said, well, I usher at my church. Now, there's nothing wrong with ushering. We need those people. But for a business leader who is used to doing million-dollar risks, I said, Lauren, that is a five-cent risk. So here's what's going to happen over the course of this week. We're going to give you some just-in-time training, and then we're going to take some million-dollar risks spiritually. We're going to meet with and share the relevance of faith in Christ with some of the top business, some of the top political leaders in this country. Now, I said, I'm not even going to tell you what that looks like because you've got the financial wherewithal to go home right now, book another ticket, and miss out on what God wants to do in your life. And so anyway, so about Wednesday, so this is now, this is uh, Saturday morning. Wednesday, he comes to me and his eyes are big. He says, Nathan, he said, why are people not as responsive in Winnipeg as they are here? I said, well, Lauren, when is the last time you tried a forum? Never. What about... Something else we do called dinner with friends. He said, never. I said, well, how do you know that people are not as responsive in Winnipeg as they are? You've never tried any of that. Anyway, by Friday he comes and he said, Nathan, he says, uh, I want to start Leader Impact in my city, in Winnipeg. He said, the leaders of Winnipeg need to hear what we've been doing here and need to, and, and need to know the relevance of faith in God in their lives. I said, I can help you with that. So anyway, a little while later, I went to his city and he pulled together in his boardroom probably about 30 business leaders. And so I took about a half hour, and uh, I told them, I gave them the vision for Leader Impact, what we can do to help them. Then I pulled out my wallet, and I said, guys, I said, uh, 
my driver's license says Saskatoon. I said, I don't live here. So I said, I'm going to leave the room right now because this is your city. And you're going to have to decide what do you want to do with this. And so I said, I'll just be out there. I said, if you've got questions, you can come and ask me. But I said, I'm going to be out there uh, in the foyer area of his business. I said, well, let's see. So anyway, about a half hour later, 8 o'clock in the morning, the doors open up and uh, they said, we're in. So over the next little while, uh, Lauren launched Leader Impact as a businessman in his city. Well, we saw Lauren the last time, uh, I guess it was in February in Toronto, when we brought about 110 leaders from around the world into Toronto to look at what was going on there. He said, Nathan, he said, that project changed my life. He said, it changed my marriage. It changed the way, it changed the way I do business. It changed the way that I do, light, or do my church. And he said, it changed the realness of God in my life. If you think about that story, and we're not going to have time to discuss that, but you know, what are some of the principles in there in terms of making God real in your life? Uh, I've got a quote uh, from uh, Bruce, Bruce Wilkinson. Some of you remember the prayer of Jabez, the book that was popular about 10 years ago or so. And so this is actually not from that book. This is from the book called The Dream Giver. And here's what he says. So listen to this. This has to do with the story that I've just told you. Okay, so if you want to have a real faith, I think that there's a principle in here. Uh, Bruce said he was eating friend. He was eating, so he wasn't eating a friend. No. Uh, he was eating lunch with a friend who has a PhD in leadership development. He said, I asked him, based on all of your research and experience, what would you say is the most important secret to developing world-class leaders? And what I would say today, maybe a real faith, if we want to take it a different direction. The guy who was having lunch with put down his fork, and he said, well, it's not a course. It's not a lecture. It's not a book, he said. Picked up his fork, started eating again. His answer intrigued him. I asked him to explain. He said, the single best way to develop leaders is to take people out of their safe environment, away from the people they know, and to throw them into a new arena they know little about. Way over their head, preferably. In fact, the more demanding their challenges, the more pressure and risk they face, the more likely a dynamic leader will emerge. Okay, so that's true in developing a leader. But I would say, men and women this, and, and, and youth, is that the same thing is true in developing a real faith. If we want to play it safe, our faith in Christ will never be real. It's only as we test him. A couple of years ago, uh, Judy and I decided that um, we were becoming old and boring. Okay, and so we decided that we were going to take up, uh, go to the next slide, we were going to take up whitewater canoeing. Okay, we had canoed up north a fair bit, but uh, you know what? We said, you know what, we're going we're gonna, to, can we become experts at this? Or at least good enough that we don't kill ourselves. And so, uh, so anyway, we took a course through Churchill River Outfitters up in Mississippi, uh, met some people, and so we made a decision then that we were going to run a different river in Saskatchewan every year. Now, some of you that have, you know, the farthest north that you've traveled is Saskatoon, you go, this can't be Saskatchewan. Well, it is, folks. And so anyway, so a couple of years ago, we, uh, we uh, twisted the arms of our neighbor, three of our neighbors, uh, some friends, and then just some strangers, and we ran uh, the Clearwater River. Clearwater is the north west Saskatchewan, north of Laloche, 
And then it goes from there. Once it hits the Alberta border, it becomes boring. And so we got picked up by a float plane and flown back to Buffalo Narrows at that point. But as we were, uh, as we were and so, you know, we we're ready to go. No, the, the, the Churchill, sorry, the Churchill, the Clearwater River is one of the, mo- one of the most adventuresome rivers in the province. And so I said, our, some of our neighbors, our neighbors came, the father and two sons. Son, the youngest son had just graduated from high school. And so we were floating down on a fairly easy part of the river. And when you're doing that, uh, you can actually talk to each other. And so he happened to be in the canoe beside me. And so the conversation, this was three years ago, the conversation back then was to Google Glass. Okay, that was just kind of the cutting edge. It never did make it off the ground, I don't think. And so uh, we were having a discussion about Google Glass. Now, what I liked about Andrew, our neighbor, is that he was a grade 12 philosopher. And here's what he said. He said, Nathan, he said, let me just see if I can, I'll I'll read that to you. He said, uh, um, I've lost, totally lost my train of thought. Um, I don't know where that is. Anyway, so anyway, what he said was, he said, I would rather be living the dream rather than watching somebody else living their dream. Okay, so that was what we're doing. We're floating down the river. Well, within a few minutes, uh, we had to uh, portage over a water, around a waterfall. Okay, uh, on the church out of Clearwater, if any of you have paddled, most people uh, portage about ten to twelve times. Okay, uh, we pad, we portaged four times, and should have portaged five. Okay, so you know where this is going. So anyway, so we portage over this around this waterfall, and all is good. And at the bottom of this waterfall is some. Class three, class four rapids. Very similar to that picture up there. And so we kind of worked our way along the edge and, uh, and all was good. But then we get to kind of a, a dog leg left, then a dog leg right. And we should have gone up and, on kind of the mountaintop there and, and explored, you know, what does it look like around the corner? But we'd hired a guide. And we were pretty sure that he would help us through this. So here's what the guide said. He said, follow me. He said, stay one canoe length behind and all will be good. So anyway, so uh, our guide went first. And uh, Judy and I, who we, we'd put together this expedition, we went second. And uh, so we were one canoe length behind. Well, I knew we were in trouble when the canoe in front of us totally disappeared. And uh, all that we saw uh, like a millisecond later was, you know, helmets, uh, paddles, light, you know, other, whatever things floating down farther down. And so we come up, well, it was about an eight-foot waterfall. And, of course, it's like the weir. So when the water goes down, it comes back the other side. And I go, you know, I've never been in this before. I don't know what happened. So I said, Judy, let's paddle hard. Let's see if we can get through it. So anyway, to make a long story short, none of us made it through this waterfall. Uh, one of the canoes basically got ripped in half. Uh, but so we get to the end of this uh, little bit of river and... Uh, uh, the adrenaline had been pumping, we were in shock, and uh, our, some of our canoes were in tatters. But here's the interesting thing. What's the story that we tell about the clear water? You know, it's not sitting back on the beach, it's not about this or that. You know what? It was about the risk that we took and the fun that we had. You know what? The high fives at the end because we actually survived it. Canoes didn't, but we did. Okay, in fact, well, we canoed with a couple of people this year for the first time, just finished co- coming back from a river, and uh, we introduced ourselves, and they said, oh, you were the ones that shipwrecked on the Clearwater. So word has got out. So anyway, so all that to say, so if we want to, I think, experience God, 
in all that he, in, in all that he has, then I think we've got to take some risks. Let's go to the next slide. It says, do I want to experience life to the full by putting faith back into my faith? And what could be the next step? So this is application time this morning, men and women. Do I want to wear Google Glass and watch somebody else, watch the pastor, watch somebody else do have the fun, take the risk in ministry, or do I want to actually go out and try some of this stuff for myself? That's the choice we have to make. And so I've got a couple of things for you. Um, in fact, if you look up there, uh, John 10.10, Christ said, I came that you might have life and might have it to the full. Men and women, having life to the full is not sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning. It's taking a risk and it's experiencing the power of God in your life, watching him show up in your life. That is where life to the full comes from. I guarantee it. So here's a couple of thoughts. One of them is, you know what? It could be easy. It starts with a barbecue. You know what? Uh, every year, uh, sometime near the end of August, beginning of September, uh, to get to know our neighbors, we, we, we live in a little cul-de-sac, so we invite them all over for a barbecue. Okay? We, 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 we don't provide all the food. They bring some of the stuff as well. How easy is that? And out of that comes all sorts of conversations and a relationship to take it. Secondly is, um, as I said earlier, Alpha is coming this fall. Now, I looked on the website. Now, I may have misread that, but I would say don't just come and cook. That's, that's, that's maybe a bit of a risk for some of you. Uh, don't just come and lead a table. That's, that's a bigger risk. Bring somebody. You know what? Talk to a neighbor. Talk to somebody at school. Whatever happens. Take a risk and say, you know what, we're doing this thing at our church. We'll, we will, our church will set you up and say, how do you start that conversation? Take the risk. Another thing would be this. Um, the last time I was in church a couple of weeks ago, I had a bunch of conversations out there in terms of the changing face of Saskatoon. Okay? Uh, you know, whether it's the Syrians that are coming or whatever. And we said, you know, we're nervous about those people. You know, so here's my, here's my thought to you in that one. When you're out walking sometime, or if you've got neighbors that are of another ethnicity, invite them over to your place for coffee. Those guys are probably lonely. They don't know anybody. They probably have not been in another Canadian's home. That's what statistics would say. You know what? Invite them over to your house for coffee. How easy is that? If you want to know how to have some conversation, I'm not sure if Lori Peters is here, but Lori can help you with that. She can, she can give you some training. And how do you take those conversations? That looks like a risk. Now, you might also say that it would be, you could volunteer at the bridge. That's a good thing to do. We've got a number of people here that do that, some home groups that do that. But here's what I would say. Most of us don't live in that area. Most of us live next to affluent people. And you might say, do they have any needs? You know, they, and you look at them, they, you know, they drive the Lexus or the BMW or the Audi or whatever it is. You know, they work downtown in the corner office. I mean, do they have any needs that Jesus would meet? And a couple of years ago with Leader Impact, we did a survey with top presidents and CEOs of companies who were not Christians. Okay, it was in Toronto and Edmonton. And here's what they told us. They said, we said, do you, you know, what are your, what's your biggest challenge? Okay, they said our biggest challenge in life is time. 
Any of you can identify with that? Secondly, they said their biggest challenge in life is time. Oh, and that was their third biggest challenge. They said, by the time we get home at nighttime, we've given everything at work. Okay, when we get home at night, the needle on the gas tank is on empty. And so we give whatever's left in the tank, the fumes, to our wife and to our kids. And they said, by the time we go to bed at nighttime or our kids go to bed, we're totally empty. Okay, so that's... Uh, secondly, they said... We've, this is an interesting one. They said, we've got relationships everywhere, but no friends. Okay, these are presidents and CEOs of companies. They are surrounded all day long by people. All day long. And so they said, we go to play a round of golf with somebody. Well, it's not because that person's a friend. It's because I want to do a deal with that person. You know, I want something from him or her, and the only reason she says yes to me is that she wants something from me. And here's what they said. Listen to this. They said, we're lonely. Okay? These are presidents and CEOs of companies who are with people all day long. They said, we're lonely. Then we asked the other question. We said, do you have spiritual needs? And they said, we do. We said, well, where would you go to get those needs met? And we gave them a number of options. Bottom line was, they said, you know what? We don't know where we would get those needs met. Men and women, next door to you, down your street, are people exactly like that. Your needle on the gas tank is on empty. In all likelihood, they're lonely. They don't have real and meaningful relationships. And so, how do you have some conversation with them? I'll give you another idea. Is, uh, we put together, in fact, we've just revised uh, a tool. You could use this in your home group called Bursting Your Bubble. So it's how do you get Christians out of their Christian bubble? We like to live in our bubble. It's safe in our bubble. But you know what? Christ is not real in our bubble. So only as we get out. So if you're interested in that, would like to do that in your home group, there's some great training, some great application points, and how do you make, how do you get out of your Christian bubble? Okay, I've got one last thing for you. This is the big gulp, okay? Some of you, uh, but uh, it's a big risk. This is a million-dollar risk. Uh, Judy and I were in Indonesia about two weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, setting up leader impact in Indonesia. Now, here's what you need to know about Indonesia. It's the largest Muslim country in the world, okay? Uh, about a quarter, a little over a quarter of a billion people. And so we were in the four largest cities, started off in Jakarta, and, they, and so as we met with the Christian leaders there, they said, hey, we'd like to do this stuff on leadership, character, but also, hey, how is our faith in Christ? How does it make a difference? So they, here's, what they, here's what we promised. They're, they're actually preparing. They would like some Canadian business and professional leaders to come with us in November. Okay, so this is a million-dollar risk. Okay, we will train you, but if you're at all, and so we're gonna, it's going to be the second week or the third week. And so those of you that, that like to go to Hawaii, uh, we're probably will do a little deal in Bali, okay? You think Hawaii is good? My understanding is that Bali is even better, okay? So if you, rather than forego your whole Hawaii time, is uh, we're going to tack on Bali on this one. And, uh, but guys, it'll help you get out of your bubble. It'll help to make your faith real. And so some of you say, well, I'm not a public speaker. Well, what we'll do with you is we'll interview you. There's four questions. Tell us about your business or your profession. Okay, we'll, we'll work with you on this. Secondly is um, give us a secret, you know, give us a principle of success from your business. Why are you successful? Some of you, those of you that are business owners, those of you that are professional, why are you successful? Here's the third one. Tell us about your greatest failure 
And what did you learn from that? Interesting enough with that question, that's where everybody kind of leans in and says, okay, now, now I'm interested. And the fourth question is this. How does your faith in Jesus make a difference? How does it help you handle the stuff that life and business throws at you? So anyway, so there's a million-dollar risk. Uh, if you're at all interested in that one, would like to explore that, I won't twist your arm, but uh, come and talk to Judy or myself, and uh, we're looking for probably three couples one week and three couples. We will, we will utilize both the couples, the things that we're doing. But a great opportunity uh, to get out of your bubble and to take a risk. Go on to the, to the uh, yeah, there we, um, let me go back. Let me go back. So uh, we've done that one. Okay, let's go to the next one. Sorry. You were right back there. Okay, the last thing is this. Does the Bible have anything else to say about living in Jesus and experiencing life to the full? And so with this part of the conversation, with this part of the message, here's what I've been thinking about recently. I've been grappling with this thing and say, you know what? What does Jesus offer me as a busy leader? What is it? And so there's a term in business, I don't know how many of you are in business, called the value proposition. Okay? The value proposition is this. It explains the value someone will receive from an investment of their time and money. Okay? So iPhone has thought about this, even my cracked iPhone, uh, says, you know, they've got a value proposition. They would say, you buy this phone rather than Samsung, rather than Blackberry, whatever it happens to be. They've got a value proposition. My question to you is, does Jesus offer a value proposition? Okay, I just told you about some of the needs that leaders have, but I didn't go through youth. I didn't go through any other category. What does Jesus offer people today in, in 2016? Here is what I believe is the greatest value proposition statement in the Bible. Okay, listen up. And uh, some of you have got this memorized. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay? How many of you have got that memorized? Put up your hands. Yeah, most of us do. Well, guys, I'm just going to choose one of those words. And, and the problem with having that memorized, we just kind of take it for granted. I'm going to go to the third word, peace. Now, if you go, I did this morning. I went to Webster's. So it says peace is the absence of trouble. Okay, where do you have the absence of trouble? Do you have it in school? No. Do you have it at work? No. The only place that I know you have the absence of trouble is when you're dead. Men and women, if you're living in the real world, if you're going to school, if you've got, if you've got kids, if you've got a husband or a wife, if you, if you go to work, men and women, there is... There is trouble everywhere. Some of you are business owners. If trouble doesn't find you, you go looking for trouble. Okay, you start up another company. Some of you in your recreation go whitewater canoeing. You go looking for trouble even in your, uh, even in your leisure moments. So here's what the word peace means in Galatians. Listen to this. The word is shalom. That word means peace in the middle of trouble. Now, if you're a business person here today, if you could bottle that up and sell it, you'd be the wealthiest person in the world. Okay? So I could go through the other ones, but I've been doing a fair bit of reading on this. Here's, um, um, I would say that we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, 
most of us probably put eight, nine, or ten there. But is God real in my life? You know, am I experiencing peace? If you were to talk to my wife, when peace is not true in my life, there's two other things that happen. One of them is I become impatient and I become unkind. Okay? And Judy would say she doesn't like that when that happens. Okay? And I'm in trouble a lot of times. Okay? I don't, and so I say, how do I get peace in my life so that I can be patient and so that I could be kind? So I'm going to invite uh, some of you to, uh, so can Christ do it? I'm going to close this with one last thing. Can, can Christ give, can Jesus give us peace? One of the things I love when I go out canoeing, uh, in fact, usually when we go, it's in the summertime, so the sun doesn't go down until about 1 o'clock in the morning. It gets up at 3. And so not often do you go out and see the stars at the sky, but occasionally you'll get up in the middle of the night to go to the washroom because you had too much to drink before you went to bed. And uh, you go outside at uh, you know, 1 or 2 in the morning, and there's not a light for probably 1,000 or 2,000 kilometers. And it's like being in a 3D movie. The stars are like you could just reach up and touch them. You know, you see the satellites going across the sky. You know what? The Bible says that God spoke, and all of that came into being. In fact, not only did it come into being, he is holding that there. So a question for you is this. Could God give Nathan peace? Could God help Nathan become more kind? What about more patient? As I said, I've been wrestling with this whole thing in terms of, is God, you know, the value proposition that Jesus offers? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you something this morning. It's a little, it, because it's a journey that I'm on. Okay, and so uh, if some of you are interested. Uh, I've been, in fact, it's probably my third time I've read a book by Charles Stanley called The Spirit-Filled Life. Okay, it looks, it looks a little beat up. Uh, I guess because I've read it, because I also have toted it around the world as me as I've been reading it. But here's a little experiment. I'm going to offer this to you. Um, Kind of a four-week study over the fall time. Okay? You'd have to buy. Here's what, your, here's what the expectation is. You'd have to buy the book. Uh, we would meet once a month for breakfast, 6.30 to 8.30 in the morning. And each of those times, you'd have to read before that meeting the section that was assigned. You know, we're gonna, we're, we'll read the whole book over four months. Okay? We'll do it September, October, November, December. Then you need to come and be prepared to say, hey, what? How does this stuff work in my life? You know, how do we make this real? And so if you're interested in joining me, because I, I, I'm on this journey, men and women. I don't have this thing all figured out, but yet I believe that Jesus offers a value proposition to those of us that are busy. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I came that you might have life and have, it, and have life to the full. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't do that. You know? Live life to the full. Let me pray for you. Father, I uh, pray for each of us here today. I, I think the situation for most of us is different than what it was in Second John. I don't know that we're struggling with did Jesus really come or not, but yet I think many of us, as I've uh, talked to people across, around the world, would say, boy, Jesus is just not real. I believe that he came 2,000 years ago, but he's just not real in my life. And Father, uh, that's not what you wanted for us. In fact, you said, I came that you might have life and might have it to the full. So, Father, my prayer is that this year, 2016, 2017, would be, a ban- would be a breakout year for us, that we would get out of our bubbles and that we would actually experience life to the full, all that you wanted for us. 
And uh, thank you. We don't have to do this in our own power. You've given us your spirit. And we ask it all in your powerful name. Amen.